Perv. Slut. Wow! I hate myself. Perv. Slut. Don't make this fun! Perv. Slut. The Sexhibition. Perv. This is the Fleabag Research Project. I'm Yana Rankov, and I'll be your host. Oh, you got me. I don't carry a vagina around with me. <laughs> That'd be way too provocative. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of the Fleabag Research Project. This is my project. My name is Yana Rankov, and I'm here with my friend Evie Muir. Hi, I'm Evie. I'm an engineering student at the University of Waterloo. I've known Yana for several years now. Yeah, we're high school friends. Okie dokie. So the first question that I start everyone off is, is what is your relationship to Fleabag? And how how many times have you seen it? What were your first impressions? If you've seen it several times, what were those impressions, etc.? So I had not seen it at all before I watched it for this podcast. Um, I've heard about it from several YouTubers, several friends. Um, It would definitely be on my list. And then I watched it for the first time a few days ago. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, I thought it was fantastic. And now I'm desperate to keep going, <laughs> desperate to read about it. Yeah. But well, I'm that- trying to hold it so that this, this is um, raw. Could you describe a little bit when the other sources that you've heard talk about the show, so YouTubers or your friends, what have they been saying about it? Kind of what's the... What did you gather about it from them? Yeah, so a lot of people described it as um, hard to describe. And oh, after nice. it, I, I agree completely. Sort of as like a dark humor, comedy, um, things I also agree with. And sort of like a, a feminist must watch. And so I haven't, I haven't heard that much about it, just that it was incredibly funny, but also sad and dark and uh, really, really well-written. Would you say it holds up? Absolutely. I think it was better than I expected. That's awesome. I, I am somebody who, if something is hyped up, I will often not like it just because I set my own expectations so high. It's not like on the piece. Yeah. It's not on the media. That's the problem. It's myself. Because I go, no, it's not that good. So I'm glad that it lived up to its name and a little bit more. I'm having trouble with how to phrase this question properly because recently I've realized it's a very leading question. But would you say that you find the show unique or aspects of it unique? I, I don't know exactly what it is about it that made it special, but I did think that it stood out a lot from, you know, like other other shows that I've been watching. I watch pretty trashy TV. Um, no such thing. No such thing. So I, I tend to watch like a lot of just long, long dramas, um, pretty, pretty soapy. And I thought this was much more clever um much much more concise i appreciated that it sort of only only took the time i think that it needed i i also think that going back to sort of the the feminist feminist comment that i heard about it i have definitely not seen very much media that sort of portrayed women um this this way or this holistically i think that that is something i sort of went in expecting but it's something that I think Fleabag definitely lived up to. I'm glad that it fulfilled that promise for you. When you say that women are holistically portrayed, could you go into what you mean with that? One thing that I noticed when I was watching it definitely caught me off guard initially was that I think in a lot of shows, 
even even written by women, the women tend to sort of fall into these flat, uh, almost stereotypes. And I think that Fleabag broke a lot of that down. I think that Fleabag herself is like, obviously she's the main character. Um, She's the titular character. She was incredibly unique and complex. You got to see a lot of different sides of her um, when she's being funny, when she's being sad, when she's being sort of like the, the combination of both. But I think one thing that I really related to and I was really impressed by was um, the way that Claire was portrayed. At the start, it's very clear that she she sort of starts out as this impression of a stereotype, you know, the, the stuck-up, um, very work-oriented, career-oriented woman. The only thing harder than having to tell your super high-powered, perfect, anorexic, rich super sister that you've run out of money is having to ask her to bail you out. But I think the show breaks that down in a really interesting way and shows all of the other things that she's thinking about, all of the other passions and securities that she has. Hi, are you all right? What's happened? Are you hurt? No? Yeah, good. I think it's better. That was really interesting. Absolutely. I also think that Claire is a very interesting deconstruction that happens over all six episodes, you know, and she holds such a unique place in Fleabag's life. She often is the one revealing information to the audience about Fleabag because she knows and, you know, Fleabag keeps her at an arm's length to an extent. Would you say that you have a favorite performance out of the show or somebody you enjoyed the most? I think that I enjoyed Claire the most. Like I said, I think I relate to her. Um, the most, I I don't think that I really have a Fleabag type of character in my life. And so that was, um, it was a performance to me that Claire felt the most real. And I think that the way she was sort of like very subdued about it, but um, still very clearly felt uh, very strongly was really, really impressive acting. I was just really, really impressed. and I loved character that's she's one of my favorites as well I think her performance both like comedically and emotionally is superb she's so funny one of the scenes that always just gets me is when she's like laughing and starts crying in the silent retreat episode Mm -hmm. I just I think she does it so well and that's you know something I've witnessed people do it's something I've done myself when I'm feeling really high strong or something's going on one emotion just overwhelms the other so you know I'm a big fan. So you would say you relate to Claire, hey? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, I'm much younger. But You're I think married. that Claire is sort of, I'm not married. I, th- I think she represents one sort of life that a lot of people I know are afraid of turning into. I know a lot of people who are very career-oriented work in sort of, you know, politicky offices. And I think that... A lot of women worry about being forced into this this stereotype that Claire shows at the beginning of the show, um, just in order to succeed and in order to uh, move up, move up the ladder, move up through their career. You kind of become this like very hardened, stressed out person yeah. in a yeah, bad marriage. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely see the high strung 
um, in a few of my workplaces. And I think what you mentioned about being hardened and how she is, I think so, um, she's so closed off. Yeah, and I, I think that's something I'm afraid of, something a lot of my friends are afraid of. Totally. Oh, I'm understandable fear, me too. Just the idea that you have to sell so much of yourself in order to become that successful, that the sacrifice is just so yeah. immense, but it almost doesn't seem like there's another way. Yeah, yeah. And then like her personal life falling apart. I think Fleabag tried to um, tried to at one point almost exonerate Martin saying, even though he, he is all of these bad things, that he makes her laugh. In the place that I am now in life, I find that I mean, absolutely ridiculous, but I think that it's it's totally realistic for a woman to become so closed off that maybe there's only very few people who are able to sort of like draw out any personality. And um, I can see why that would be attractive, but I can also see why that would be hugely detrimental to the rest of your life. Oof. Yes. Interesting. Uh way to get very like real very quickly but that's what we're here for that's what we're here for yeah where to where to from here the sibling relationship is something a lot of people identify with a lot within Fleabag I don't have a sister I don't know you know how that is but I do really like the relationship there's a lot of there are such good foils for each other with most people I interview one of them will either relate more to one sister than the other I, I really enjoyed their sibling dynamic. Like you mentioned, they play off of each other really well. And I think the reason for that is that they're so different. Um, I think that me and my brother, we also get along very well. Well, Fleabag and Claire didn't get along particularly well in the show. But um, me and my brother get along really well. But we're also very, very, very similar. And so I don't think that I noticed a lot of that relationship, like very many similarities in the show while I was watching. Checks out. Fair. The first scene is obviously Fleabag hooking up with Asshole Guy, who I will not be calling Arsehole Guy. Yeah. That's the character's name, Asshole Guy. And it's anal sex kind of right away. Yeah. Why do you think the first scene, or how does it make you feel that the first scene is like an anal sex hookup? It was startling. Uh, <laughs> but it was also, I think, I, I was kind of expecting it, given that... Um, People talked about the show like it was like very raw, very real. And so I wasn't too off-put by that. I think that it sort of characterizes Fleabag very accurately, the way she's sort of narrating to the camera everything that's going on. I think that you get a taste of her sort of humor very, very accurately right off the bat. And also, like, the, the fact that it was an anal sex hookup definitely set the tone for, I think, her, like, self-deprecation and her relationship with um, her sexuality, her desirability, her hookups, what she feels like she has to do in order to remain desirable. Yeah. Her, what is your perception of her, you know, her relationship to her sexuality and her body and all those things? How would you characterize it throughout the show? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think um, she she talks as if I think she has a lot of sexual currency and sexual power over the men in her life. But at the same time, 
I think that she comes off as very, very insecure. A lot of the things that she does hooking up with um, asshole guy, and she sort of describes it as letting him fuck mm. her in the ass. Or um, going out so immediately with um, the guy on the bus. I think that she she sort of describes herself as um, not necessarily desirable, but having what are the words? A she sex she describes as so thirsty ultimately that um, they'll want to have sex with her no matter what, um, and yet she goes after sex uh, so so hard listen uh you around later uh yes fucking yes please yes yes cool to the point where i mean she's kind of shitty to that bus guy when he doesn't want to sleep with her immediately so we go warm up or perhaps like a little cocky tail or like or like a nice shot oh uh yeah, well, we could just go back to mine. Wow, um, thanks. Uh, I've actually got work uh, tomorrow, but um, another drink. Oh, well, we could just go back to yours. Got to be up really early. So. Well, let's get you a cab in the morning. It's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> okay, what the fuck is your problem? Oh, um, nothing. I am. Um, I, I like you. Okay, you're a dick. She's really insecure, even though she seems to come off like with her words. Like, she's really confident about it. So earlier you said that she seems to have sexual currency and sexual power. Sorry, if I'm looking down, I'm writing stuff down. Would you say she actually has sexual currency and sexual power? Or she just comes across that way and is actually insecure? Um, I think that she likes to think that she does. But um, she is very insecure. Ultimately, when asshole guy says that he doesn't want to sleep with her anymore... Um, she's incredibly hurt. I think that's that's not how I would imagine someone with um, a lot of sexual currency. And just confidence. If you were confident, that wouldn't necessarily sway yeah. you. It was just a hookup, ultimately. Exactly. And she does run right to, back to Harry afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the, the other moment when... Um, she was very, very certain that asshole guy was falling in love with her. She was narrating to the camera, um, oh, that moment when, you know, he touches your hair, tucks you in. But in fact, she was interpreting it completely incorrectly. Yeah. Oh, poor Fleabag. <laughs> Man, I agree with you. I think she's a very insecure character and that there's... She does so well at masking it, though. She's so yeah. funny. Would you say that she... Yeah confuses humor for st status in some ways for sure um on on one hand i think that she uses humor sort of as a defense mechanism she looks down on people that aren't um you know, the same brand funny yeah the same the same wittiness and um self-deprecation and i think she does see herself as better than them in a lot of those instances on the other hand I think that she is also a little bit self-aware about the fact that this can be hurting her relationships. Um, at the luncheon, I think it was with the family and Claire in memorial of her mom, when she sort of exposed Claire's promotion and the fact that she was turning it down. I think 
she she knew especially afterwards she she let us know that she knew that it was incorrect and that she was hurting the people around her by sort of taking the piss out of everything but those things are not necessarily mutually exclusive um she can realize that she's she's being a shitty person and also sort of um look down on people that don't have the same sort of wit it's hard specifically when she feels like she's letting you in and letting you be witty with her and you're kind of immediately yeah. just on the same side and your friends kind of going through this together and she's telling you what's going on and it's hard to see through that. Yeah, I think at the start, definitely you feel sort of special, you know, she's she's telling you things that she's not telling the other characters. She's, she's telling you jokes, making sort of like deprecating comments about herself and about the other other characters um and it's definitely I think a couple episodes before I saw through that um just because at the start it's so fun of course that's the trap right that's how they get you yeah Yeah. and it's not till halfway through the show that it gets a shade darker you know yeah I definitely spent the first I think three or four episodes mostly laughing. Um, I spent most of the last episode crying. <laughs> um, I'm glad you had such a good, such an emotional response to it. it. It is very sad. I'm not exactly sure what sort of triggered it. Um, I'm cert- sure there's all sorts of, you know, music, filming magic makes things particularly emotional. But I think that just sort of like the way she seemed to be coasting through things I mean you know that she's having trouble you know that she's more than a little bit depressed but um as everything starts coming crashing down that's definitely not the direction I expected the show to turn at that point I think I had developed a lot of sympathy for her particularly for Claire as well um and seeing how both of their sort of relationships and lives were falling apart was um just really 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 sad it's interesting that i a lot of people i've talked to haven't linked the last episode also being claire's life falling apart mm-hmm. and her kind of being unable to make the choice to leave martin i mean i'm also biased i loved claire you're okay you look stressed well i'm successful so claire is wonderful uh, i watched it with ages ago i watched fleabag with my best friend Dora uh and we started calling her anxious queen every time she's on screen and this is like a year and a half ago at this point and the term anxious queen has just worked itself into me and my friend's vocabulary every time some one of our friends is just being an anxious queen it's just like you know just being like high strung and anxious but getting it done anxious queen she's she's so neurotic um but lovable though she's trying so hard the scene where she she found out about the surprise birthday party and decided that she was going to plan the surprise birthday party listen i don't want to know anything about this surprise party but if you could just um have it in mind this friday at 7 30 that'd be great i can organize it and act surprised but if you could just um do you know what why don't i just do it i can organize it do the food act surprised and just Take it off your hands. I mean, I see that you're busy, so... Okay, if you want. Well, I don't want to, but 
I think it'd be easier for everyone if I could just... Okay. I, I mean, I've done it. It's done. It's this Friday at 7.30 at mine. And then um, just pretend to be surprised. Turn it into a work networking event. It's really a business birthday thing. It won't be much fun, so just don't expect a party party. That was something <laughs> I'm I so surprised. See myself doing when I'm, you know, 40 years old. And that specifically, I could also <laughs> see you doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate surprises, and I tell everybody that I hate surprises. And when she said those words, you know, I hate surprises. Okay. I laughed so hard. How did you feel about the reveal that? Fleabag is the one who slept with Boo's boyfriend. I think that I, I mean, it was shocking. It was sad. All of those things. I think that I wasn't as shocked as I expected. Fleabag off, obviously felt immense guilt for what had happened. And I think that she was like far too affected by seeing the ex-boyfriend in the shoe shop. You sort of knew something was up. I think that when when it came out that this was the case on one hand i mean it's really really sad you feel all of that guilt um that she's that she's going through it's it's sort of in character uh, i mean she she obviously found the ex-boyfriend attractive um she's sort of um addicted i think to hooking up and sex and i think that she she sort of needs that attention from a lot of the, the men in her life. And so when it, when it was revealed, I think that, like, my, my first thought was that makes sense. I agree with you. The show sets up her own struggles and problems around sex and intimacy so well. That yeah. it kind of like ebbs into just making sense. I, I remember not being particularly shocked either and being like, damn, like that's, yup, like, that is what happened. More, wow, that sucks. Right? Poor, poor Fleabag, man. Poor Fleabag. She holds it together so well for so long as well. Yeah. I also really love the last episode and the culmination at the sex exhibition. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Olivia Coleman's performance as the godmother. Oh, I thought she was incredible. Um, <laughs> I, I always think that it's, it's a particularly good sign when I hate a character so, so, so strongly. So you hated and... the godmother, hey? I love her. She's a fave. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously her performance was incredible to stir such strong feelings. I think that if I watched it again... Um, I would definitely feel differently. I would enjoy her a lot more. It was, I, I mean, it was definitely like delicious. How delicious is the right word? Hey, I agree with you. Juicy. Yeah, yeah, and how conniving and manipulative. I I thought it was a fantastic performance. Um, for first watch through, you know, I'm mostly just sort of sitting in my emotions, and I absolutely despised her nice how would you Um, describe the relationship between fleabag and the godmother if you had something else to say apologies if i cut you off oh oh no that's that's good um i i mean obviously there's a lot of tension um i think that there's sort of 
fighting for her father's attention and approval and time, all of that. Um, I didn't quite realize, I think the first time that you see the two of them together on screen is when she sort of shows up at her dad's house. And I was puzzled, I think, at first, why there, why there was so much tension, why she stole the statue, why there was so much resentment. I mean, obviously, the, the setup is not fantastic. You know, your godmother eventually falling in love with your widowed father. But I think as it, as it goes on and you see more and more of their relationship, I'm just remembering a few of the scenes. And what's making it's, you laugh? What scenes do you find funny? I think that it really, really came together at the memorial lunch when um, the, the godmother kept sort of butting in, making things about her, um, and then ultimately revealing this exhibition at um, her current partner's former wife's memorial i also love and, when um, that they split up yeah they split up she's um, right she's right it's it's not wrong <laughs> i don't know that it's right um but the the way that she's so sort of unabashedly uh, narcissistic is just so funny it makes for great tv <laughs> i agree with you she's like a reality tv show like bachelorette contestant kind of yeah and she never sort of she never breaks she never lets on that she's she's acting or that she's you know trying to trying to undermine the sisters um I think it would be really interesting if we got to see that sort of a scene the way she is is sort of this power grabbing evil stepmom is also just really really fun i agree and just the idea that she like swooped in after the because fleabag's yeah, mother hasn't yeah. been dead for very they, long they got of course yeah i would like to go back to something you said in the beginning when you mm. mentioned when we were talking about the hookup and she lets him have anal sex with her yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of instances throughout the show where really, really casual language is very intentionally put there to make us see like all these gray areas. Can you think of any others yeah. or why did that stand out to you specifically? Because you did point it out. That That's just a specific phrase I hear from, I think, a lot of women mm. who have had that experience. Um, often, I think it's not something that is very rarely something that's initiated by the woman in sort of a heterosexual hookup. That is definitely the language I usually hear mm. people talking about it. I think that it's it's sort of off-putting. I think it's because it's something that I've spoken to with other people in my life. Um, it's something that jumped out to me. I think that there, there probably are other instances. Um, I think this one was the one that I, I noticed the most. Um, especially because, you know, we, we don't know her very well. And this is her first characterization, the fact that she's, you know, putting someone else's pleasure above hers 
um, sort of in what seems to be like an attempt to keep him around. She talks specifically that, like this is not something that a lot of women do. Mm. And she's sort of proud of that fact. Um, but at no point does she really mention that she enjoys it. In fact, at the end, she's sort of insecure about the fact that it happened. That's That was such a interesting, succinct analysis. You said so much that I would want to kind of go into in that. Um, specifically yeah. saying that she's putting someone else's pleasure above her own. Interesting, because that makes me think of Harry and her relationship with him and her very much putting her own pleasure first in that relationship. Part of that is that with, you know, the asshole guy, he's hookup. He's someone that is not sort of safe and secure. And that's why she feels the need to sort of like um, do everything that she can to keep him around. Mm. I think with Harry, she feels much more secure in his in the relationship and in his feelings towards her. I mean, she talks at length about how he, you know, always leaves the dinosaur behind, how he always comes running when she calls. And I think that's why she feels, you know, um, able to put herself first. Mm. Almost to, like, the opposite extreme where she's incredibly selfish in her relationship with him. Yeah. I also like what you said that... Um, she feels embarrassed afterwards, almost. You know, she just yeah. can't quite reconcile herself with the comment. That's I've never thought about it that way. That there is like um, like when she says, "Do I have a massive asshole?" Like, yeah, it's a punchline, yeah. but it's also her like going, "Oh man!" Like, like, I don't think she's it? quite happy. Yeah, but it's like in the first few minutes of the show, so you don't necessarily have that lens at that point. Man, what a good thing to point out. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, interesting that she's embarrassed because she doesn't seem like she gets embarrassed very easily. But there she is, yeah. flustered, flustered by asshole. Well, well there's the other point when um, they're in the convenience store and, you know, she's grabbing the super tampons and asshole guy pops up behind the shelf and she's like, oh, no, I have to grab the light ones. Yeah. And she called and she says she has a tiny bleeding vagina. If I may digress a little bit, filters yeah. into kind of a larger conversation that I would love to have with you if you're down to go down this route. All these instances where kind of classical feminist opinions come up and are subverted is the wrong word. They're just presented as a little absurd. Like, yeah. for example, when they're at the women's conference and they say, you know, who here wouldn't give their life for the perfect body and those two put their hands up. You know, those yeah. moments. Uh, would you agree with that? By the way, I'd put my hand up, not to be, not to make this like the most basic <laughs> question ever, but yeah. Um, I, I was surprised that they were the only ones that put their hands up. And that was sort of one moment that I found unrealistic about the show. I mean, every woman I know would put their hand up. <laughs> Them sitting in a room full of other women and being the only ones to put their hands up. I mean, I was sort of torn between like the idea, like, are they bad feminists? But also the idea that like, are they the only ones that are honest with themselves? Mm. Because it didn't necessarily read that um, they're bad feminists. Because I think, I mean, I've had to come to terms with that particular sort of um, conflicting opinion. 
Yeah, yeah, that was that was one moment that I think my suspension of disbelief was no longer suspended because I thought, oh, they're definitely just doing this for the take. Um, I like the I like conflicting opinions as a way to that's a good way to describe that. Um, Phoebe Waller Bridge seems to be obsessed with is the wrong. It's kind of like a weird pejorative to use, but she will often talk about her fear of being a bad feminist and it crops up again yeah. in season yeah. two, kind of her calling herself a bad feminist um, or yeah. like something yeah. along those lines. And funny, she, that, that is placed so early on in the season, the idea that she's like bad at feminism or just like bad at respecting her, you know, and you can read so much into that, that she's just yeah. fundamentally bad, like a bad feminist. She fails even at that sort of this baseline thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's something I mean, a lot of women are also insecure about. Oh, um, absolutely. Like, on that metric, I'm also a bad feminist. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it so relatable to the viewer. I think that it's very likely that almost any woman um, watching the show has struggled with a lot of the same things regarding mm. body image, but also hookups and sort of respecting yourself. Navigating sex and sexual relationships. And so I think, I mean, that's what makes it so, so relatable, such a good show. I think that mm. she captured a lot of what I think, um, like, young women worry about. Um, she's obviously unhappy with her body. I think that a lot of people struggle with the idea that, you know, they, they want to promote body positivity. They want to support all their friends. Um, in many cases, they, they do support their friends, but they still struggle with insecurity about their yeah. own body image. Yeah. Fleabag seems to think very highly about like the other women in her life. Um, she talks often about how beautiful Claire is, even though Claire also obviously struggles with feelings of inadequacy. And she never really talks down on the other women in the show who are not necessarily as you know, conventionally attractive. Um, the Godmother, for example, is like Fleabag criticizes her about everything except her body. Um, it that seems is true, like yeah. she's she's only sort of worried about herself, and I think I see that sentiment in a lot of mm. my friends, even myself, where um, I, I want to promote body positivity, I want to be happy for my friends, and I and I am but I'm also insecure about myself. Yeah. And I think that um, that can sort of build feelings of being, you know, worried that you're not actually body positive. Um, You've got to feel guilty about everything. Guilt is the only female emotion. It's the original female emotion. It's the <laughs> only thing going on at all yeah. times. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I think Fleabag demonstrates that as well. She has sort of these... Um, outbursts of emotion towards various things and she always feels incredibly guilty afterwards sometimes mm. with good sometimes without well she kind of now that we're talking about it in these terms she's kind of committed like an original sin she's committed a sin that's kind of off screen and the guilt yeah. of it like follows her through the but show it, it colors the whole show even mm. i think like after, after you see that big reveal um in the last episode you retroactively sort of like recolor everything from 
the previous five episodes. And like part partly everything makes sense, but there's also other things that you she does where you're you're not sure whether that's something she felt beforehand or whether that's something that happened because of um what happened with Boo's mm. friend. Uh, there's I feel like the clues to that are Harry and Claire because they know her from before everything went down and they're the characters that kind of right. pull her back. And, you know, Harry says things like, I don't love you. Like, I'm not, I don't hate you. I'm scared for you. And all these things that sort of yeah. indicate that there's been a shift or, you know, Claire will ask, how are you? And they can't even really hug. And there's all these like, and we know that she's told Claire, Claire knows. So it's interesting yeah. that we feel like we know this character because we converse with her for three hours straight. And yet, we kind of have no clue. The bad feminist comment. It, it's funny that she assigns that immediately, but she assigns it in such a witty, funny way that you mm-hmm. don't really... It's like a, it's, it's like a, almost a backhanded exhibition of character in that sense. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I think that happens really often where she says something that is actually um, really meaningful and sort of highlights her insecurities, but she's always joking about it. And so... You laugh and then it hits you. Um, and I I really want to do a rewatch because I think maybe not all of them hit the first time. Mm. Uh, a lot of the humor that I kind of wanted to bring up before we got so beautifully sidetracked into these interesting topics about the feminism within the show is that there's all these moments where she making fun of is the is not quite the word, but points out inconsistencies and problems within mainstream feminism. For example, the two women that come into her cafe and they talk about how great their bodies are. And one of them goes, I can't blow this body on a baby. I have to break up with them. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that's so funny because that is kind of like the sentiment of like, you're going to better yourself into this perfect body shape, but can you perform other femininity at that point? Like you can't perform all of it. You can't do this and motherhood. But I I don't know that, you know, that that sort of betterment into the perfect body is necessarily, um, you know, feminism. I think that the the two the two women who come into the cafe are sort of I I, I don't think feminist is the word that I would use Mm. to describe them. Fair. Um, Neither would I, but I think which is I misspoke at that point or I just said the wrong thing or I'm full of shit Evie. Um, I meant more that even body positivity which is I was looking for a way to bring this up is just kind of a being right. fuckable at any size you know it's about being attractive yeah. rather than actual yeah. acceptance or in the mainstream Instagram way more so than perhaps in the like true way in which you and I hopefully mean it you know in the way that we can um that's mm-hmm. more what I meant, like these like superficial notions of the like capitalist feminism that's sold to you to an extent as like liberating. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, um, you know, Fleabag laughs at them in in the show. But at the same time, I think that she also sort of subscribes to the same, mm. same ideas, the same, I guess, um, insecurities. I think that, you know, given the perfect body, she would probably feel exactly the same way. And I, I think, I mean, there's a few things that she sort of scoffs at, but I think are actually sort of reflections of her. And that's one of the ways that 
we get to see how insecure that she is. Mm. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that they live in the same world, these women in Fleabag. You know, this world is a very coherent set of societal conventions and rules that are, you know, our world, but heightened because it's a TV show. So I think that's absolutely fair to say, to say that, you know, as much as you might laugh at them, it's the same, they're in the same universe. Yeah. 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 I also love the scene where she says she's looking so hot and there's a guy walking towards her and she goes about to make a sex offender out of the guy, which is a hilarious like thing to make. You know what I mean? It's just like walks a line of you shouldn't really be, but it's funny, you know, and I enjoy Mm -hmm. it. I like it when she does that. It's funny. Yeah. And I think that also highlights like what we were talking about earlier, where she tells the viewer that she has sexual mm. currency. Um, yeah. And she yet she, the, the guy coughs at her saying like a walk of shame. Yeah. Um, She's called really subtly, but throughout the whole show, the word slut like kind of reverberates yeah. through it. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. at the silent retreat, that's what the men yell. But when she meets up with the bank manager, that's the first thing that they like say to each other, slut and yeah. Her. Yeah, and then even sort of that comment about walk of shame is like a, a subtle way of calling her a slut. Yeah. And I think that 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 definitely goes through through the show really clearly. Um, but it's almost sort of like a reflection of how she feels about herself, I think. Obviously, um, society says those things about like women that do the kinds of things that she does. Um, but I think that she's also internalized it. And I mean, obviously, as the writer, um, knowing that she is both, you know, the main actress and also the writer. I know. What a feat. I think. Hey? <laughs> what the hell? What is that? Incredible. I think that knowing that and then having sort of this, this feeling and this word reverberate again and again and again, it's almost like she's doing it to herself. Mm. and I think she does feel that way about herself you know the character in the show I don't I don't know about Phoebe Walderbridge herself um but I think the way that it keeps being brought up and sometimes so indirectly um like at the retreat um which I love obviously the the men are not directing that at her and yet she still sort of internalizes it. She still sort of feels attacked by it. And so as much as, you know, like, you know, men in society, bank managers, men on the street, um, say these things about women, I think that she's also sort of showing how much she actually feels that that is true, um, which is really I, sad. Yeah, I think that kind of strain of thinking of internalized things works itself a level deeper into kind of the text of the show and what goes on. There's these moments, which are once again, like joking that perforate the show of like, they're not sexual violence because nothing really happens, but it'll be hinted at them. So for example, when she meets the bus rodent on the bus, she's reading a newspaper and the article that you see is, 
um, something along the lines of like private school head assaults pupil in class. Yeah, I, I didn't catch that. I've seen it so many times. And another instance of it is when they're in the sex shop with um, the bus rodent. And yeah, she asks, where's my vagina? And he goes, you don't have a vagina on you right <laughs> yeah. now. And she goes, no, that'd be way too provocative. And kind of these like other show of how much sexual inequality and sexual violence is around her and in our world and it's just kind of like around us and finding all these ways to point yeah. fun to poke fun at it and to point it out over and over again it is there's so many layers too the feminism is the wrong yeah word, and it's like a nebulous nothing term at this point yeah it's never quite clear either whether you know this is something that's brought on by um sleeping with Blue's boyfriend mm. and obviously that guilty it would probably make her feel like a slut but um since it's also you know it comes from so many other places completely independent like I think that it must be a combination of factors yeah I I just think it's sort of interesting the fact that at first you sort of think that um this is just how society views her and she sort of internalized it at the end you sort of realize, oh, like maybe she thinks about this for a more specific reason. But then I sort of settled back into, you know, it's a bit of a combination of both. Mm. Yeah, it takes you. Yeah, no, um, that's interesting. I talked to somebody recently that said something along the lines of Fleabag is being punished for having sex which I really yeah. never even thought about in those terms because that seemed like such a harsh thing to put on the show you know yeah yeah because well, it's I not like she's being punished for all the sex she has I don't think she's being punished for having sex I don't know where do you stand I think that I mean the word slut and the way that the show keeps sort of applying it to her is sort of a bit of a punishment or at least an admonishment mm. of women for having and um, the the man who says that she's having a walk of shame is obviously admonishing her for what he thinks is like having sex. And I think she definitely, obviously, punishes herself for having sex with Boo's boyfriend um, way back. I think that part of the way that the word slut keeps reoccurring and part of sort of that meta where you understand where she wrote it and she's doing it to herself is sort of like punishing herself for what she did interesting thank you for man so many smart and good things that you're saying easy i've been enjoying this so much thank you that's good i <laughs> it's been a long time since i talked about anything artsy i'm sure man with your evie has a high-powered eng degree this i read a film history of sex in the city and i was like television historian um okay sure i'll take it yeah. Then you can talk about Fleabag again in 40 years. Exactly. And be like, what? This is one of the reasons I'm doing it. I think the reaction people are having to Fleabag is really worth capturing. And I think it's worth documenting. Yeah. Because yeah, it seems yeah. to be so on the cultural zeitgeist. And I really want to capture it, it while it's so around. I, I was surprised. I mean, I've I've been hearing about it for about a year now. And when I looked it up, I was surprised to hear it's from several years ago, I think. 2014. Yeah. If I'm wow. not horribly mistaken, that's, that's, I've said that statistic so many times. Yeah, that's a little ways back, but um, 
you know, some stuff from there feels dated. Yeah, um, like what? Nothing specific comes to mind. But I think, like, the way Fleabag, you know, like, didn't focus a lot on technology. The clothing was all, like, very, very... Mm. Um, I think the the ideas just felt so, so modern. I think that, you know, the the culture around feminism and sex positivity and that kind of thing has changed a lot just mm. in, you know, the last five years. Yeah. And well, um, it's like she was bringing stuff up, you know, that people would even still be afraid to talk about. Absolutely. Um, just timeline-wise, the show came out in 2016, the first season. The play, the one-woman play that it's based on came out in 2014. So that's on me. Okay. So the concept of it. But I do agree with you, like, the technological aspect is definitely, like, not lacking. It's just because these characters are in their early 30s, it's natural that it wouldn't yeah. really be that much a part of their life. But yeah, I do agree yeah. that I'm- it is a little bit jarring how absent it is. I, I don't think that it was necessarily um, a bad thing that it was kept absent. I think that, in fact, it sort of doesn't ground it in a particular time. I think that's mm. valuable because you know, now, five years later, I'm still enjoying it. Mm. Um, nothing sort of made me into thinking, oh, this is from you know the mid-2010s. Yeah, specifically when you see a certain type of iPhone, I feel like that's the easiest way to take me back. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that it was it was really good. Um, some of the things that she talks about, like um, being a bad feminist, is stuff that I I didn't think about at all back then. But mm-hmm. I think now, as I'm you know learning a bit more about feminism, um, having to sort of somehow piece together my identity, my politics, my worldview. Yeah, picking apart and picking together kind of what you need to take into adulthood. Yeah, and having to um, work my way around my inconsistencies. Um, I think that Mm. this is like a great sort of look at that experience. I mean, she's in her 30s. I'm in my early 20s. But I think that a lot of women, like in in that age, age range, probably all the way up yeah. would relate to well she said that, she... that she said in an interview with Vogue that Fleabag was inspired by the cynicism she felt in her 20s so it's from yeah. this time it's from this like learning yeah, yeah. So exactly my angst right now exactly it's about or at least you know we can extrapolate that it's from the cynicism you feel when you're starting to figure out sexual politics and you kind of yeah. start at least that's what I feel like I learned in my like I'm still in my early 20s but you know that I feel like that's kind of been my education over the last few years it's been less like academic and it's been more like the social education of like you're sexy and this is you know you're a young woman and this is what you're viewed as and this is what you're valued for and there's really no way around it and it cops up in all of your relationships like that fact is fundamental that you're like fuckable and young right now and it colors everything around you and that you know and ultimately that's what the show is about like still being in that space but afraid of losing it as well and what that does yeah, to yeah. like somebody I, who's been through it for like 10 years at this point and I think that she definitely is worried about like you said losing it um it crops up a couple times where I think people mm. mentioned to her that she's getting old and you know when you think about like that in the meta 
where she's sort of like saying these things to herself through these characters. Um, I think that she's terrified of losing the sexual currency that she thinks that she has. Maybe she, I feel like one can even say that she has sexual currency, but not sexual power. Like those two things are not the same. She can like. Yeah, that's a good catch. Yeah. Because I, I don't think she manages sorry, go ahead. to actually, or I would say, she, I don't think she actually manages to, you know, gain anything through through her sexual relationships or experiences. Mm. But I mean, men do want to sleep with her. Yeah. Yeah. She is desirable in that way. Um, interesting that we, I, I kind of should have commented on the use of the word currency earlier, because it's an interesting connection to make when you talk about sex, because it just kind of puts it into this greater context of selling yourself and kind of this like greater capitalist context and Bridget May who I interviewed a while ago now kind of spent a lot of time talking about that and she's brilliant and how the show is a lot about capitalizing women capitalizing on their sex and on their sexual currency Mm -hmm. and on their bodies like Claire in her way the godmother by making an exhibition about it and like really monetizing her own sex life and Fleabag and kind of like being a scavenger in that way and to an extent using it very much as currency and there's this one scene which I just like don't know how to read maybe you can give me an interpretation where she takes the money out of the wallet of the bus rodent yeah and then immediately wants to sleep with him and she's like extra offended when he doesn't and I think you can read that in the way that she wants to pay for the money she took with sex she like wants to repay him in that sense or like that's the that's the exchange she sees fit. I don't know if I'm reading too much yeah. into it, but what do you would you say that that's like makes sense or is perhaps going too far? I, I think that that makes sense. Um, I think my initial reading of it was sort of you know just two ideas smashed together where she's a kleptomaniac, but she's also obsessed with mm. seeming desire. Um. I think that she's offended when he doesn't want to have sex with her for a lot of different reasons. Um, and it it also makes sense that it's a combination of several. Um, it doesn't have to be just that, you know, she feels like she needs to repay him. Um, I think that it can also be that as well as um, her always feeling like she needs to be desirable. fair it's just it just it's like troubling to me every time I see it I'm like man like what's going on here like what is what is this what's what's going on Fleabag let me know yeah well she's not having a good time that's what's going on she's not having a good time we're at about the one hour mark which is when I usually cut things off is there anything that you didn't get to talk about or anything you'd want to bring up about the show um I just had a thought actually please give it to me we were talking about um, that scene in the auditorium at the sex talk mm. or, you know, body body talk where um, Fleabag and Claire are the only ones that put their hands up. And I was thinking back and um, I realized that all the other people in the auditorium are old women or old men. Mm. And I think that they tried to make that very clear. I think that... I didn't quite catch it until I thought about it a second time. Um, 
And I noticed on your question sheet, you mentioned um, that Claire can't wait to get old and why I might think that is the case. And sort of like putting that together with the auditorium and them being the only two younger women, um, I think that um, it, it's interesting that, you know, um, this was about Phoebe Walderbridge in her in her 20s. And maybe now that she's older, looking back on it, maybe she realizes that, you know, um, as you lose a little bit of that sexual currency, um, you actually also gain, you know, more <laughs> respect, more autonomy. Mm. And maybe this is her way of showing that, like, you know, the older women in the auditorium are actually confident in themselves and Claire talking about how she can't wait to get older maybe she realizes that you know once you are no longer confronted with you know that that experience in which you know so many people are attracted to you maybe things get better <laughs> maybe there's a little bit of a hopeful message in there maybe you're freed to an extent at that point yeah, um, exactly. There is there in the second season there is a conversation sort of about that that I think you'll find interesting and fun. I'm sure. I yeah. cannot wait. Yeah. Do you know anything about the second season? Not nothing at all. I do oh, know actually. Yes. Um I looked at the the picture associated with it on Amazon Prime and I thought it was kind of funny that the thumbnail for the first season is very restrained. It's just, you know, her crying and mascara running oh. down all over her face. The second season, it's so, so irreverent. Like, yeah, her, the... like, the stained glass. <laughs> and I think, like, it's kind of funny. Um, I think it shows a little bit, like, once when she did her thing in the first season, they're like, okay, now you can be crazy. Um, I also want to extend a recommendation to you when you mention technology <laughs> and kind of tech cropping up I personally am very interested in media that dissects how technology infiltrates our sex lives and yeah. just on HBO what just came out is I May Destroy You by Michaela Cole which mm -hmm. I feel bad for mentioning it in connection with Fleabag so much but there is they're kind of of the same a similar school of thought and that show is really heavily about it incorporates also technology but I would send out a very heavy yeah. trigger warning for that recommendation because it's very heavily about sexually, sexual assault. Okay, yeah. 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 All right. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for this lovely interview. It was wonderful chatting. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Well, just thank you for having me. Um, this, was, this was really fun. I thought it would be much harder than it actually was to talk about Fleabag for an hour straight, but there's just so much there. I'm glad. I'm glad. That's good to hear. I want to make sure everyone feels at ease and happy and is happy to talk and has lots to say because everyone has lots to say. So many better opinions yeah. than the random dudes in my film classes that think they know shit because they've seen five Tarantino movies and they're like, okay. Oh, awful. Awful. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much. That's one hour, folks. <laughs>